No. Well, welcome if you're joining us by uh, our live stream. This is just one part of our service here at City Temple. Uh, if you'd like to join us for the whole service via Zoom, uh, you can contact us using the uh, email address there at the bottom of your screen, uh, or just show up here at City Temple on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. If you have your Bibles with you, let's go to three places. We're going to go to uh, Psalm 37, one of my personal favorite psalms. It's really brought me through a lot of difficult times. Uh, then uh, to Proverbs chapter 3, and then finally uh, to the Gospel of Matthew. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I pray, Father, now in the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak to us and encourage us and show us how to live in these days to the glory and honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I can bring your word to your people boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 37, we start with verse 1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And then over to Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And then finally, there to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start with verse 24 and read down to the end. No one could serve two masters, for he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. And how they neither toil nor spin. Excuse me. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Wondering if you've been feeling a little bit more stressed lately than normal. Or if you've been feeling a little bit more angry uh, than you normally would. Or perhaps you've been dealing with, a, you know, a kind of a sense of depression or a sense of hopelessness. I mean, if you've been feeling these things, actually you're not alone. Uh, right now, we're dealing with many, many people in our society have been feeling these things. You know, there's been these instances of rage at restaurants and on the road. Uh, there's been uh, instances of, of people, a lot of people feeling like there's a mental health crisis. And you kind of wonder why that is, and I can tell you part of why that is. Uh, let's blame it on, oh, what we blame everything else on, COVID. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it's easy to do, but there's some truth about this. Because what happened during COVID is that suddenly we had been in a relatively free society, and all of a sudden, all of our choices were taken away from us. Choices about where to go, where are you going to go to the supermarket, how are you going to get your food, who are you going to associate with, whether or not you're going to worship God, uh, you know, whether you can go and see your GP, whether you can visit your loved one in the hospital, how many people can gather uh, in a room together. Uh, all of these kinds of decisions were suddenly taken away from us. And actually, one of the things that you discover is that when we as human beings start to lose our sense of agency, in other words, when we start to lose our sense that we can affect change, that we can make choices, that we can do things to make our world better, to improve our situation, when we start losing that feeling, then we start to feel more angry. We start to feel uh, more stressed. We can feel more depressed. Uh, we can start to struggle with things that we've never struggled with before. And it's not actually just COVID. It seems right now we're living in a, in a kind of a scenario, and let me tell you, this scenario is going to increase in the coming years. This is not going to get better. We're living in a scenario where it seems like a lot of these things, a lot of our ability to make changes and have an influence and affect things for the good, we're losing it. I mean, think about some of the situations we're dealing with. For instance, cladding. How many people, even people in our own church, are stuck in flats where the, it's covered with cladding that is deemed to be unsafe, and so now they can't sell their flat. They can't get out of it. They can't do things. They're, they're in, instead facing a potential penalty while those who installed it get away scot-free and get to keep all their money. Or think about climate change. You know, COP26, uh, COP26, the COP-OUT 26. You know, it's, uh, you know, 
uh, people think that they're going to do something about climate change, and we talk a lot about it, but people don't do a lot about it. In fact, it, I was just reading an article this week that talked about a lot of uh, Generation Z people, that'd be young people in their late teens and their 20s, who talk a lot about working for climate change, but are just as likely to use plastic, just as likely to turn up their heat in the wintertime, you know, just as likely to do things personally that actually have been said to have increased uh, climate change. Or think about inflation right now. And we're facing a, a very scary, it's a frightening specter of inflation. Because if inflation increases 5 10%, that means everybody who has money saved, you see the value of your money just eaten away. And there's nothing you can do to control it. There's nothing you can do to get away from it. Or think about social media and how many people are getting beat up right now on social media and people are being hounded out of their jobs and things like that. Or even consider right now how we're in a nation where increasingly we're experiencing anti-Christian sentiment. And we're facing these kinds of dynamics. It's around us and what it does, it seems to take away our agency, our ability to make choices, our ability to live for the Lord, our ability to do things differently. And we struggle to know how do you live in the midst of that? Has it really taken away your ability to live, your ability to make changes? And if it has, does that mean we lose everything? Or is there a way that we as Christians can live in this context and still make a difference, still affect positive change around us, a way that we can live so that we are not victims of all the stuff that's happening to us, but we can actually live in a way where we walk in the victory of Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, you know me. You know I believe that we can. I am not a pessimist. I am an optimist. And I am not hopeless. I am hopeful. And I am especially hopeful for the church of Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you, friends, I think right now is we're coming into our hour as Christians. We are coming into a time where we can bring change into our world as never before. We're coming into a season where we're going to see God move in some very powerful ways, but it's not going to be like what we've thought in the past. It's not just going to be big churches and, you know, because... There's no big church that's changed any city in this world. They do good stuff. I'm not against big churches, but it's not the big churches that bring change. It's not the Billy Grahams of history that make the real difference in the world. It is ordinary Christians like you, like me, that really bring about God's kingdom as we live. But the question is, how do we live in this kind of environment where we can often feel powerless, where we can often feel hopeless, 
where we can often feel like our ability to make a difference for the good has been robbed, has been taken away from us. And I think God has a word for us today. And the word is found there in Psalm 37. The Lord says to us, the Lord says to you, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. If you want to make a difference, if you want to take back control in your life under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, of course. Because obviously we're talking about this from the perspective of Christians. We're talking about this. This phrase only works for those who have been saved by grace through faith, faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose bodily from the dead on that third day, who have been united by faith with Jesus Christ, filled with God's Holy Spirit, completely changed and become new creations on the inside, living a new life on the outside. That's what we're talking about. And to those people, the Lord says, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Now by dwell, the word that's there, the Hebrew word, literally means pitch a tent. Pitch a tent. Now it reminds us that uh, this world is only temporary. This world is transitional. None of us live forever on this planet. You know, it's a temporary situation. So we pitch our tent, but we pitch our tent in the land. Now, what is the land? Now, biblically, the land becomes for us a metaphor for what God has given you, the area of your life, your territory, your life territory. So, and it's not only geographical, but it's also in terms of your relationships, your work, your job. That's all part of your land. It's your promised land. It's your inheritance from the Lord. And we need to dwell, pitch a tent, in our land, the place where God has given us. Now, too often, what do we do? We start thinking, oh, you know, how great my life would be if only I lived in the Bahamas. How great my life would be if only I happened to live on a private island in uh, in the Caribbean or the Mediterranean or had all that money, had all that power. And we start to think about our lives in other contexts, in other situations. When you do that, you're not dwelling in your land. To dwell in your land is you take the territory that God has given you and you live in it to the maximum. Take your territory and live in it to the maximum. So you dwell in your land, dwell in the land, and befriend faithfulness. Now, befriend, uh, different kinds of translations. Uh, the literal translation is to shepherd something, to tend like you tend sheep. So you dwell in the land, and while you dwell in the land, you shepherd your faithfulness. Now we can't shepherd God's faithfulness. We shepherd 
our faithfulness. Now, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is loyal. Now, biblically, what is faithfulness? Faithfulness is a loyalty to God, God's ways, and God's people. That is an unswerving loyalty to God, God's ways, and God's people that we live out in practical ways on a day-to-day basis. We demonstrate it on a day-to-day basis in what we do and fulfilling the duties that God sets before us. It's a consistent behavior day by day that demonstrates our unswerving loyalty to God, God's ways, and God's people. That's what faithfulness is all about. And every one of us needs to shepherd our faithfulness. You know, your faithfulness will be lived out differently than I live out my faithfulness. You know, my faithfulness is going to be lived out in things like preparing the Word. Or my faithfulness will be lived out in relationship to my wife. Now, obviously, you don't live out your faithfulness to my wife the same way I live out my faithfulness to my wife. Does that make sense? So what God has called you, the job that you have, you have to shepherd your faithfulness in that job. And not only doing the job well, but doing the job well for the Lord. Because it's the Lord you're working for. So we have to dwell in the land and shepherd our faithfulness as we dwell in the land, in the territory that God has given us. And as we do that, things change. And as you do that, nobody can take that away from you. Inflation can't inflate that away from you. COVID can't take that away from you. A lockdown can't take that away from you. So dwell in the land and shepherd faithfulness. But what does this mean practically? I think the rest of the text that we read gives us some insights. And I I want to suggest four practical things that uh, the texts tell us for how we dwell in the land and shepherd our faithfulness. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Now, first of all, David says here, fret not because of evildoers and do not be envious of wrongdoers. Now, the first way that we live out this practically, this faithfulness, dwell in Uh, dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness is we cannot fret about the evil going on in the world. You're always going to be surrounded by people who are doing wrong. Our world right now is filled with wrongdoers. And many of the problems that people are facing in our world today, they're facing because of sinful behavior. Because they're engaging in behavior that is not healthy. Now you can see that in the news all the time. I could take an hour in of itself just to talk, talk through that. And so a lot of times what happens is uh, we, get, we see all these people and they're having a good time. Or they're doing certain things that are wrong. They seem to prosper. They seem to do well. I mean, you got very wealthy people who are not very good people, and a lot of the very wealthy people are very not good people. And you see that, 
And it's so easy to start to fret. Now, what's this fret? It's to burn with anger. It's, ah, this just makes me so mad. You know, people are so awful. The, the, the picture I get in my mind is like the street preacher that's out there and saying, you terrible sinners, you're going to burn in hell for all eternity. You deserve everything, and I wish you would burn a little bit sooner rather than a little bit later, you know, because you're such terrible people. And it's no wonder that nobody wants to become a Christian. But that's fretting. That's what David's talking about. And he says, don't do that. Uh, don't fret, but also don't envy them. Don't want what they want. And that's really hard, you know? Because I think a lot of times, I say, okay, God, if you'd make me a trillionaire like Elon, I guarantee you, Father, I'll use the money better than he does. And I think that's pretty safe to say. I don't think I'm being too terribly arrogant because I've got all of you around me that would be saying, yeah, Rod, use it to give us money. And I, you know, and I give everybody here money. I give it all away. I don't want it. You know, you give it away. But then I wouldn't have it in the first place, would I? But we do that, don't we? Oh, we say, oh, God, if you made me look like that guy does, I would use my looks for your glory. <laughs> you know, if I had that money or whatever. And David says, don't do that. And this is the thing. If you're always burning with anger or burning with jealousy about those who are broken, those who are doing wrong, those who are doing evil, if you're focusing on them, you can't focus on your own faithfulness. It doesn't mean what they're doing is right. It's not. In fact, I'm going to talk about that probably next week. But that shouldn't be our focus. Don't burn with anger and don't burn with envy over the, the evil and the broken. Those who are doing wrong, just dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Now, the second thing we need to do, if we're going to do this, we can jump over to Solomon and Solomon's got some good words for us. He says, don't let steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Don't let them forsake you. He says, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, steadfast love is very close to faithfulness. Steadfast love is not this mushy, gushy, uh, uh, going to say words that could not be pleasant. Uh, this, it's, not, it's not some kind of romantic notion of love. Steadfast love, it's a great Hebrew word, chesed, and it means love that is faithful to the covenant. So you act in ways that's faithful to your covenant. And you do that. You act in ways for the benefit of other people for their good that is faithful to the covenant you have with God and with others. So it's practical action. That's what this steadfast love is all about and faithfulness we've already looked at. So Solomon says, okay, if you're going to dwell in the land, 
and shepherd your faithfulness, you need to do two things with this uh, steadfast love and faithfulness. First, you need to write it around your neck, hang it on your neck. And what does that mean? If I had a big bundle of steadfast love and faithfulness hanging around my neck, you all would say, whoa, look at that steadfast love and faithfulness hanging off that guy's neck. That's a, that's a, a honking big amount of steadfast love and faithfulness. That's huge. Boy, I can really see that. And that's what Solomon's saying here. He's saying that your steadfast love and faithfulness should be obvious to everybody. Don't hide it. You know, we, we have a tendency to try to hide, you know, when we're, we're being faithful or we're showing steadfast. Don't do that, Solomon says. Make it obvious for everybody to see your behavior should be so clearly exhibiting steadfast love and faithfulness that it's like you've got a big sign hanging around your neck or you're wearing the T-shirt, steadfast love and faithfulness. And he says, write it on the tablet of your heart. That means that at the very depth of your being, you should be always thinking, how can I be show steadfast love? How can I uh, live out faithfulness? And be thinking about that, be dreaming about that, be pondering that so that it becomes a part of who you are. And Solomon actually gives us a promise. He says, if you live out this steadfast love and faithfulness, if you make it obvious and you also write it down deep in, inside of you, you will have favor and good success with both God and people. There's a promise there. Steadfast love and faithfulness will give you favor and good success with God and people. And that's not just God's people. I'll never forget a, a great conference I went to, uh, wow, well over a decade ago. And uh, it was a team coaching conference, uh, so it wasn't Christians. And one guy, you know, he started out, they, they went around the circle and said, what do, you, what do you want to get out of this conference? And this guy started out and said, I want good fights. You know, I want us to fight. I want us to get into arguments and things like that. And so it tells you a lot about this guy. And then you go through the week, and on the last day, uh, we have this exercise where you go up to all the people in the room, and you tell them one thing you've noticed about them or one thing you like about them. And this guy came up to me, and I'm ready for a fight, you know. He comes up to me, he looks at me, and he, well, he, he was one of these guys that looked up to me, uh, a bit shorter than me. Uh, he looks at me and says, you are a mountain of love. I'm like, dude, hey, this is cool. I like this, okay. Mountain of love, man. Okay, I can get into that. But it was so powerful for me. And it was so interesting that this guy saw this in me. I wasn't trying to be loving. Uh, I wasn't trying to do any of that stuff. It just came through. And because of that, I had an amazing amount of favor with these people, again, most of whom were not Christians. And that's what God does. I've seen this with a lot of people. I've seen this with Johan. You know, 
Jovan's a guy, he carries a lot of favor with people. And they walk up to people and it's like, whoa, you know, they love this man. Uh, Cook, he's another guy like that. This guy carries a lot of, and I could go around, I'm not going to embarrass all of you. Uh, you know, uh, usually embarrassing two people uh, a day is enough for me. Uh, and I've already embarrassed Feli because I said, I told Feli how great she looked in her outfit today. So, uh, so three, three people is kind of over my quota of embarrassment for the day. Uh, so, so we have that. Uh, but that's what Solomon's saying here. He says, if you bind this around your neck, you write it on your heart, your steadfast love and your faithfulness, God will give you favor and success with him and with people. Now, by the way, the success there he gives us is not a worldly success. He's not saying God's going to give you a million pounds. But God will move in some powerful ways. So we fret not. If you're going to dwell in the land, befriend faithfulness. Fret not and be not envious of evildoers and wrongdoers. Let your steadfast love and faithfulness, let that be written around your neck, and hung around your neck, written on your heart. And then the third thing here, to live it out practically, let's go back to the psalm, trust in the Lord and do good. David says, trust in the Lord and do good. Now we talk a lot about trusting in the Lord. But what David is pointing out here is that if you really have faith in God, if you really trust him to take care of you, to take care of your life, then the outworking of that trust is you do good to people. And good is good, that which benefits other people. So wherever you are, every single day, look to do good to the people around you. Do good to people at work. I'll tell you, if you want to have an impact at work, do good to your coworkers. Don't make a big deal out of it, just do it. Look for opportunities to do good every minute of every day when you're interacting with other people. If you trust in the Lord and do good, if you're looking for opportunities to do good based on who you are in Christ, then you're dwelling in the land of befriending faithfulness. So trust in the Lord and do good. And then David gives us a final one, the fourth one. If we want to dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness, how do we do it? How do we live it out practically? Delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Now, this was my, one of my favorite verses when I was a teenager. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And God, I really desire to win the Publishers Clearinghouse sweepstakes of $10 million. That was me growing up, you know. Lord, I really, really love you. Can I have a lot of money, you know, uh, can I, you know, can I marry the most beautiful woman in the world? Oh, he gave me that one. Uh, can I, you know, can, and, and we get it wrong, don't we? We get it wrong. But if we're going to dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness, the only way to do it is to take delight in the Lord. Find our joy, find pleasure 
You know, the word delight here is a word that is talking about pleasure. You know, it's okay to feel good about God. It's okay to have good encounters with God. And not everything is a good encounter, by the way, but that's okay. It's focusing our lives on God and what pleases God. That's one of the ways that we delight ourselves in the Lord. You know, thinking in practical ways, if I'm delighting myself in my wife, it doesn't mean that I I go to my wife and tell her what's going to make me happy and demand, make demands of her. If I'm going to delight myself in my wife, then what I do is I try to find out the things that she likes, and I do those things. And I try to avoid the things she doesn't like. Because I find that if I delight myself in her that way, that good things come back to me. Like I mentioned, I learned early on in our marriage that singing love songs to my wife at 6 a.m. is not delightful to her. You know, it, it took me a while to, you know, dodge things being thrown at me and everything to finally get the message. And, and so, you know, but I, I found that if I can sing a love song maybe at 6 p.m., that's okay. You know, it's, it, it could work okay. And so, so that's what David is saying. If we're delighting ourselves in God, then we pursue what gives God pleasure, what brings God joy. And that's a way that we dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And the promise is that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give us the desires of our heart. Now, our heart, we talked about this a few weeks ago, your heart is the core of your being in Old Testament language. It is, you know, the the very core of who you are, your motives, what you do. And when he says he gives us the desires of our heart, desires means desires, it's not saying he gives you everything you want. He says that inside of us, there are deep longings and deep hungers, and God begins to meet those. Not everyone. He doesn't always do it the way we want him to do it. But there are things that start to come forth And a lot of times, part of the process of God teaching us what those desires really are. Like I told you, I used to joke around as a kid and say, God, let me win a sweepstakes. Which was really funny because they weren't, I wasn't eligible until you're 18. But uh, but I used to, you know, I joke around, I, I really did pray that. But you know what God saw? He saw in my heart, it wasn't, to be wealthy, it was to be generous. And he's given me that desire in my heart. And sometimes the process to discover those desires is a long process. It's a long process. But there's the promise. Go after what pleases God. Go after what brings the Lord joy. Delight yourself in the Lord. And in that process, he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's kind of like what Jesus said. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
Seek first what advances God's loving rulership and what it means to live in a right way with other people. And then God adds all the other things, the food and clothes and everything else that you need. He brings those things as well. Delight yourself in the Lord. If we are to dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness, then we must refuse to fret about or be envious of wrongdoers. Uh, we must take that love and faithfulness and bind them around our neck and write them on our hearts and live it out. We need to trust in the Lord, and because we trust in the Lord, do good every opportunity and choose to delight ourselves in the Lord and pursue what brings Him joy. And in that process, He ends up giving us the desires of our heart. And all of those things are things no one can stop you doing. No COVID lockdown can prevent you from doing any of those things. No amount of inflation can inflate away your ability. This means you have the ability to make a change. You have the ability to make a difference. And when there are Christians who are dwelling in the land and befriending faithfulness, there are Christians who are seeing God's kingdom come, who are seeing the kingdom of God advance, who are seeing other people come into a relationship with Jesus Christ who are making a difference in the world, who are not victims, but who are walking in the victory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's God's call for all of us. So the challenge for you is to say, okay, this is God's word. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. How do I do that today? to the glory of God and Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, we love you, we honor you, we worship you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this word, to dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd enable each of us to do that in the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can do it to the glory of God in Jesus Christ, not for our own glory. And thank you that no amount of problems or troubles or circumstances in this world can prevent us from dwelling in our land and befriending faithfulness. Lord, let us be a people who are known by our steadfast love and faithfulness, so obvious that it's like a sign hanging around our necks. Let us be known as a people who are doing good to other people with every opportunity we get. Let us be known as a people who delight ourselves in you and who live for your pleasure and joy. Thank you, Lord. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit, for we love you and worship you and adore you. We pray all these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.